0: Hi guys, it's Leisha and Kenny here and welcome to another episode of Not Me, Not Today podcast.
1: Hello and hello to everyone, wherever you are in the world. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty well, thank you. It's been an interesting couple of weeks researching this story. How are you?
1: I'm doing really well, thank you. Uh, Just quickly, I wanted to say sorry to all the listeners for the delay in the podcast. This is a really big story to cover and it's in two parts again. Leisha's really trying to bring you all the good details in these incredible stories, so this is part one of it
0: thank you. There is so much more info on this guy that I wanted to bring you guys the best bits and the parts that are a little less well known. So while I was researching this story, I got Kenny to watch the movie with me. But after I finished the research, I realized that whilst almost entirely true, there is so much more to this story than you first realize. They left out some really interesting bits that I'll go through in these episodes.
1: I'm really looking forward to hearing all about it. And that leaves us with one question. Leisha, what's the story?
0: Today's story is about Yossi Ginsberg. He was 22 when in 1981, he and three others ventured into the Amazon jungle, looking for an adventure of a lifetime. And well, I don't want to give too much away, but if you enjoy survival tales, and if you liked the episode on Yuliana Kupke, you'll love this one even more. By the way, I do know I mention her name nearly every episode, but I can't avoid it in this one as on occasion I may draw some similarities for obvious reasons.
1: That's fair. Let's get right into this.
0: Yossi Ginsberg was born on April 25th, 1959, in Tel Aviv, Israel. His parents were survivors of the Holocaust and had fled there. He was raised in Ramat Gan, which is a suburb of sorts of Tel Aviv. He was raised with one elder brother, Moshi. Yossi spent three years with an Israeli army on the Red Sea. He loved the travelling he got to do there. He made friends with Bedouins that inspired his nomadic lifestyle. The army provided him with the initial means to travel, but it set off a fire in him too big to contain. So Yossi, much to the disapproval of his parents, dropped out and went traveling. He traveled to a few places before heading to Bolivia. He had actually initially read the book Papillon during his time in the Navy and was inspired by the writer Henri Charrier and wanted to find him and ask him for his blessing to follow in his footsteps. Oh wow, that's interesting. Did he meet him? Making a long story short, no. The writer died before Yossi got to do that. But nevertheless, he was determined to travel and hitchhiked from Venezuela to Colombia.
1: Oh, that's kind of sad. So he was about 18 when he entered the army.
0: Yes, and he was 22 when he found himself in Colombia, where he met a man named Marcus Stamm. Marcus was a Swiss teacher and a little older than Yossi. He was laid back and caring. Yossi described Marcus as having a wonderful spirit and had never met anyone like him. Almost nothing seemed to bother him. He was always caring and positive. He wanted to help anyone and everyone who told him their troubles.
1: He sounds like a really nice guy. It must have been so interesting as a traveller to be constantly meeting new people like yourself with the same passion.
0: Forever weaving friendships as they move on and their paths cross weeks to months later. It sounds amazing. Yossi was on a boat that pulled away from the dock when Marcus ran down it, calling after the boat like it was a bus that pulled away from a bus stop. The driver actually turned around and went back for him. And when he got on, he met Yossi.
1: You wouldn't get a bus driver in London stopping, let alone turning around.
0: (laughs) Definitely not. Marcus and Yossi made really good friends and decided to travel together to La Paz in Bolivia. When they were in La Paz, they met Kevin Gale. Kevin was a well-known American traveler and photographer. He was a bit older than the rest of them and well-traveled. He'd been known for taking breathtaking photographs of his adventures. Apparently, he could scale mountains faster than the llamas that lived there.
1: Was he famous or was he just well-known to South American travellers?
0: He was well-known to South American travellers, not famous. Well, not at this point, anyway. Kevin and Marcus had met before in their travels and had become good friends, almost brothers. They trusted each other, and when Kevin introduced Marcus to Yossi, Kevin spoke very highly of Marcus and his judgement. The three of them made close friends quickly. Kevin was actually due to go back to America, hoping to make it in time for Thanksgiving, and had booked a flight home to return. Kevin also planned to return for Christmas. Yossi hadn't quite finished with his search for adventure and the unusual. One day, Yossi was out in the market of La Paz when he was approached by a man named Karl Ruprechter, an Austrian geologist. Karl told Yossi of his adventures, showed him pictures, and his planned trip into the jungle for three months to find gold. Karl was a good talker, and a great storyteller. He told Yossi of his previous adventures to the jungle to find gold and his success. He told him of the indigenous people he met and almost uncontacted tribes. Beautiful scenery, living off the jungle, and sifting gold from the rivers.
1: Oh, it does sound pretty incredible. I'm sure when you were there, it doesn't seem impossible either.
0: Also, the photos would compel you to believe it. So Carl offers to take Yossi, Marcus and Kevin on the three-month trip to find gold and seek adventure living off the land and what the jungle had to offer. Yossi, finally having been presented with the adventure he was looking for, went back and told the others about Carl and his stories and the offer. The other two thought he was being a little bit crazy, but Yossi was determined to go on that adventure. He wasn't finished with his fun yet. The other two, as I mentioned before, had flights planned to go home for the holidays.
1: So they'd obviously agreed then.
0: (laughs) Yes, they did. However, the following day, Carl explained to Yossi that he was going to have to cancel the trip, as his uncle needed him on his ranch to help him with something.
1: I can imagine Yossi was gutted.
0: He really was, and tried to work for a solution.
1: Especially since the other two had cancelled their flights home for this whole adventure.
0: Precisely. After some talking, Yossi and Carl came to an agreement that they would go into the jungle for about six weeks and make their way to Carl's uncle's ranch, where they could rest and help him.
1: Ooh, that's quite the deal.
0: Well, this part about his uncle is about to get more interesting, but I'll get to that part in a bit. As for the deal, Carl convinced them to pay him as a guide through the jungle. Ah, okay. Yossi at first wasn't thrilled at the idea, but he understood. Carl offered to take half the money up front and then take the rest in the gold that they were about to collect.
1: Ooh, that's more likely to seal the idea in Yoshi's head that if there is gold, he's willing to be paid by half the money when they get there.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. So, the three of them stocked up in supplies, going over what they would need in the jungle. They got rice and beans and some fruit. They also got a bottle of amphetamine pills, i.e. speed, for the trip for an extra boost if desperate times called for desperate measures. And Carl also suggested that they bought a gun, which was hard to come by and dangerous as the country was going through trouble at the time and rebel groups were forming. The country was on high alert. However, they did manage to get a shotgun and bullets. They also brought medicine, a machete, mosquito nets, tarpaulin sheets, some pots, ponchos, a lighter and a box of 20 matches. And bug spray. Yes, and bug spray. Then all three of them headed into the jungle with a rubbish map. It was about 1 to 500, about as detailed as a child's treasure map, and headed for Apollo, which was a little town as close to the jungle as you could get, in a little plane that was less than an hour's journey away. From there, all four of them headed into the jungle. As they trekked through, they were again regaled with Carl's stories. He loved to tell stories about his achievements and seemed to enjoy being the centre of attention. He was the wise, experienced guide.
1: It sounds like he thinks he's Indiana Jones or something.
0: (laughs) Exactly. A few of these stories seemed a bit far-fetched, but they figured he may just be a little eccentric. Kevin, though, was growing less trusting of Carl, but mainly kept it to himself. As they went through the jungle, they started to eat through their supplies. They stopped in a couple of tiny villages along the way, where Carl knew people from previous trips. They restocked and moved on. Carl told the three of a local village called Azriamis, where there were indigenous people that hadn't met many white people before but they could help them restock their supplies before moving onwards. It rained on occasion, and the jungle seemed consistently damp. Marcus's feet started to hurt. When they set up camp and made a fire, they started to dry their clothes. When Marcus removed his wet socks, his feet had red spots all over them. Carl warned him about a friend that had happened to and told him to keep his feet dry as much as possible.
1: I'd start to freak out if that was me.
0: If there's anything to put me in a bad mood too quickly. It's a foot infection? (laughs) It's actually wet socks, but yeah, I guess that too. Carl would advise them in the jungle when drying their clothes not to hold them too close to the fire, as it'll weaken the threads and they can fall apart more quickly. Marcus took to jokingly calling Carl Papa and would reference them as his children. A few times they were bitten by fire ants, Fire ants liked a type of tree in particular in the jungle, and when they were bitten by them, Yossi said that it felt like their bodies were on fire, and they raced to get them off, ripping off their clothes and even trying to drain them in the river. Eventually, they reached Asriamis and spent a few nights there. Also, whilst I have the chance, I want to tell you all one of the stories that Carl told Yossi. Ooh, what happened? Well, according to Yossi, Carl went into the jungle and ended up in a village where men kept shrunken heads on their belts. Whilst he was there, a man died of natural causes. They made a bonfire and cooked him.
1: Do you actually mean cooked or cremated him?
0: I mean cooked. They made a meal of him and even put his brain in a soup.
1: Well, that's disgusting.
0: So gross. Carl was told to eat the soup if he wanted to get out alive by his native guide. But his guide did give him the advice to keep his teeth closed so he didn't have to deal with the chunks.
1: Oh my god, that's one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard.
0: Isn't it just? I'm also surprised because when you eat humans, in particular the brain, you run the risk of getting a disease called Kuru. It's basically a human version of mad cow disease, which yes, is something humans can get also. But Kuru's found predominantly in human brain tissue.
1: That's horrifying.
0: Yep. So they left that part out of the movie.
1: I can see why though.
0: (laughs) But what they did include, which was nice, was Marcus helping a little boy. It was the son of the man that they were staying with in Azriamus. The boy's foot was really badly infected. One of his toes was black and filled with pus and dirt. Marcus cleaned it, applied some cream, bandaged it, and gave his mother the advice to keep it dry and clean. She was very grateful. But it wasn't long before there were rumours rumbling through the village of a doctor. Villagers started to line up, telling Marcus about their ailments, asking for medicine... But when Marcus asked for proof, they didn't have any. They just wanted the medications. Marcus didn't give any to those who were not sick and weren't in need.
1: He's a teacher though, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he is. But they, as I mentioned before, brought amphetamines and antibiotics with them just in case.
1: Uh, They're probably just looking for the speed. Probably. (laughs) Also, didn't Yossi try peyote?
0: Oh yeah, I almost forgot that part. Sorry, this is actually in the beginning, during his days with Kevin and Marcus, before he met Carl. He tried a peyote fruit with a girl named Dede that he met. He made it into a drink and ate the pulp afterwards. He had more than her and he was high for about 17 hours and was afraid that he wasn't going to come back down. She lasted for about seven hours. But it was terrifying and tasted disgusting and bitter.
1: Reminds me of GTA.
0: Me too. Shows our generation. (laughs) Also, my apologies, I also forgot one more little detail that I wanted to add in. Before leaving, they all wrote letters back home explaining their plans and left details of their trip with the relevant embassies. Yossi expected to be back no later than December 15th, but advised his brother Moshi not to search for him until January, if he'd had no word by then.
1: I'm sure his parents weren't happy.
0: Well, initially they didn't know, as he asked Moshi not to tell them, so not to worry them. But anyway, back to Azriamis and Marcus being the town doctor. The villagers looked after the four travelers and fed them up to restore their strength. Carl was still leader of the pack and didn't like not being perceived as the alpha male. Yossi actually managed to kill a beautiful bird one day with a shotgun that they could eat. He went to a fair bit of trouble to get it too. He shot it and it fell into the river, but it wasn't dead, flapping wildly as it was carried downstream. Yossi jumped in to get it, but as it noticed him it started flapping frantically as if trying to escape. When Yossi caught up with it, it pecked furiously at him, and he dragged it out of the water and took a rock to its skull. He proudly showed the other villagers what he had hunted, but Carl was less than impressed, and told them it would be terrible, and made such a scene that when the bird was cooked, no one would touch it.
1: Wow, that is a bit weird, bashing its head in. I don't know how you could do that.
0: Well, as you and I both know, that's not the last time that happens. Also, whilst they were in Asriamis, Carl had a conversation with Yossi. He told him that whilst the plan was that they would all end up in his uncle's ranch, it wouldn't be possible for Yossi to go.
1: That's strange, why not?
0: Because Karl's uncle was a Nazi who fled after the war and was still strongly anti-Semitic. He said he considered getting Yossi to lie about being Jewish, but he knew that his uncle would be vocal and Yossi wouldn't be able to keep his mouth shut. Yossi was taken aback but would press on and decide what to do about it the closer they got. He could go on to the next town from the ranch, which wouldn't be too far away. Kevin had some issues with the pace that they were going. Carl and the locals warned about the rainy season and said that they needed to get moving if they were to avoid the worst of it. But Marcus's feet being in such bad shape, he was slowing them down. Kevin was growing frustrated and wanted to get moving faster, talking to Yossi about possibly leaving Marcus behind to turn back.
1: Seems like they're really starting to get into some troubles here.
0: Well, I can't imagine being wet, starving, and a foot infection is going to keep the spirits up high. Also, when they left Asriamis, they took a dog with them. Wow, really? Yeah, she was a German Shepherd type of dog who was malnourished and thin, and had obviously had many litters in her lifetime.
1: (laughs) I wasn't expecting that.
0: I almost forgot to mention it. I don't really want to elaborate much because there's not much to tell. It's actually rather depressing. Long story short, Carl convinced them to take her so that she could fatten up and help them and protect them in a case of a jaguar. But she didn't want to go and essentially was dragged through the jungle and abused by them. Mainly Carl, though. Eventually, they left her in the jungle when she was proving to be a hindrance more than anything. Oh, that's so sad. Actually, I've left a lot of gorier details out. But suffice to say, there's a lot more animal abuse in this story. Mainly by Carl. And I'm not just talking about a need to survive, but reveling in the cruelty.
1: But you haven't included them in this, have you?
0: No. I left out as much of that part as I could as it's not really relevant and actually upsetting. Okay, good. Anyway, back to the story. Kevin's patience with Marcus was wearing thin. They felt he wasn't really going to be able to enjoy the trip with his feet, but Marcus gathered what was happening and insisted on carrying on, on the trip, down a raft on the river. So, the locals helped them to chop down trees and build one for them. Marcus and Carl oversaw it. Marcus, at one point, felt offended that Yossi and Kevin had sent a local boy to them with a note saying they were too lazy to see the final product and trusted their judgement. Nevertheless... The following morning, after restocking their supplies, they headed out to the river as the locals waved them off. Wow,
1: I hope Kevin got some good pictures of that tribe. What an amazing stop-off experience.
0: He did actually, but I'll get to that later. Whilst they were out in the jungle, Marcus was very fastidious in brushing his teeth and having good oral hygiene. His father was a dentist and wouldn't let being out in the jungle disturb that important self-care routine. The others did so as well, mainly because of him. But there was one little incident that happened that affected Yossi's thought process later on. So, one of the mornings, Yossi was brushing his teeth when he used the last little bit of water from a flask to wash his mouth out. Kevin was annoyed at him and said he should always share, not just use the last of something without considering others.
1: That's an unusual incident to remember.
0: (laughs) I'll explain when it comes back up later on. There was also an incident where they heard howler monkeys in the trees... Carl shot one and it fell, injured, clutching to branches on its way down. Carl, without hesitation, went straight up and smashed its skull in with the butt of his rifle, absolutely horrifying the others. There was also another incident with a sloth.
1: Oh no, they showed the monkey in the movie, but not the sloth. There's something sadder about that because they don't move very quickly.
0: I really thought it was so sad. I mean, I get that they need to eat to survive, but Carl takes way too much pleasure in killing them.
1: Carl seems to be getting a bit unravelled as time goes on.
0: He really does. But, anywho, they cooked it and smoked it. It apparently smelled horrible when it was cooking on the fire, but they cooked it anyway and ate it. Marcus, however, was too disturbed by how it had been killed, and how it looked, and how it smelled.
1: Well, Carl did say they would be living off the jungle.
0: Exactly what Kevin and Yossi said. But he didn't eat it, and Carl made him some rice and beans instead. Marcus began to feel weak and Kevin and Yossi felt that he was behaving like a baby. All of their feet hurt and they were here for real adventure. They nicknamed him the Girl Scout. He didn't seem to be enjoying himself and he was slowing them down. Carl's stories began to change slightly. He decided that he didn't want to progress any further into the jungle. He wanted to go back to La Paz. Kevin, after a few rocky experiences on the raft, completely distrusted Carl, and was now overtly challenging his knowledge and experiences.
1: This is when they all worked out that Carl couldn't swim, right? When he was nervous of taking the rivers.
0: Yep, it was the final straw for Kevin. They were all starting to lose their patience with one another, arguing about their frustrations with each other.
1: Somebody give these men a snickers.
0: (laughs) Kevin, however, was much more determined to keep going. He felt that he didn't really need Carl in his stories, and they were pretty much lies anyway.
1: Oh yeah, Kevin was an experienced traveller.
0: Exactly, and that's why he got suspicious before the others. So Kevin asks Yossi to continue on with him on the raft down the Tucci River to La Cura Playa, where they would rest and then head to Roanabaque, which was 120 miles from Cura Playa. Yossi wanted to go, but also knew that Marcus wanted to as well. Kevin refused to allow Marcus to come, as he would slow them down, or he could die or get them all killed.
1: Weren't Kevin and Marcus supposed to be really good friends though?
0: Yeah, but it really frayed their relationship. Yossi tried to use a bit of reverse psychology to get Marcus to agree to turn back. It was only a three-day walk back to Azriamas, and from there, a few more days to Apollo. It would be a couple of weeks to ruin Abake.
1: So Marcus really didn't want to continue then?
0: Yeah, he didn't like Kevin anymore or want to be alone with him and they couldn't leave one person alone in the jungle so they'd have to split off into pairs. Marcus thought of his feet and decided to turn back with Carl. That night they made a camp, discussed the trip Kevin and Yossi were about to take and divided their supplies. Carl warned Kevin and Yossi about the San Pedro Canyon.
1: St Peter's Canyon, the same St Peter from the Pearly
0: Gates? The very same. Named as such because that's who you'll meet if you go down it. It's virtually suicide. Wow, Carl warned that it was imperative they'd get off before turning down the San Pedro Canyon. There would be a little island and a beach area on the right bank just before the canyon. He told them that if they can't pull off, they must leap from the raft and swim to shore as their lives depended on it. Because, well, they did. The canyon was rough, rapid, and the walls were smooth and so high you couldn't climb out. Kevin and Yossi were a little shocked as he'd never mentioned this once to them before in his journey or stories.
1: You would be though, that's quite the detail to skip until now.
0: It is. He also told them of La Crua Playa, being deserted gold miner huts that would remain vacant until next year when they returned after the rainy season. Then he told them of San Jose, not too far from there, just up from the adjoining river on the left bank. There they could restock and rest and then continue on down to Rurinabaque. They split up the supplies that they were carrying. Carl would take the shotgun and a portion of the food, but not half as they only had three days back to Esriamas where they could restock again. Kevin and Yossi would need it more. They would also take the machete. They only had one lighter, but Kevin and Yossi got to keep it. In exchange, they gave Carl and Marcus 10 of the 20 matches they'd brought and some of the striking paper.
1: You'd be afraid to get that wet though, that tiny scrap of paper.
0: That's exactly what I thought. The remaining food was rice, beans and some fruit. Kevin and Yossi also got the speed. Marcus couldn't carry much as his feet were in such terrible condition and Carl was confident it would only take a few days to walk back up the Iparama River to Asriamus.
1: Oh, wow. That's a big risk for Yossi and Kevin, though.
0: It really is. By the way, this is also where Kevin gave most of his camera reels to Marcus to keep them safe if anything happened to him whilst he was off on his wild adventure.
1: Some of the pictures you showed me and from the end of the movie are so good. And as usual, head to our Facebook and Instagram pages to check those out.
0: We're actually going to start adding the links to those on the episode details, so you can head straight there and you weren't searching for us and trying to find them yourself. They said their goodbyes and Marcus and Carl headed off into the dense jungle. Carl turned once to look back and then they disappeared from sight. The date was December 1st, 1981. Kevin and Yossi got back on the raft with their supplies and headed off down the river. They hit a few rough patches and tried to paddle with their machete-carved oars and a pole to try and keep them from hitting the sides. At one point, they got caught in a whirlpool, which had formed in a larger section of the river, but managed to survive uninjured.
1: That's incredible.
0: It certainly is. The current was strong and despite some scary moments like the whirlpool, they managed to break free into a calmer part of the river. They kept their eyes peeled for the canyon and the island and the beach that Carl had told them to look out for. The river began to pick up speed once again and they frantically looked out for the island and the beach but they couldn't see it anywhere. They noticed how a big large rock stood out about a third of the way into the raging river. They hit it with the raft and the raft lodged itself on the rock. In the movie, it was pinned against it vertically in the water, pinning them in place, but actually it was a little bit more horizontal than that. Kevin leapt off the raft and swam to shore. He asked Yossi to throw him his shoes and the machete. His plan was to get some vines, throw them to Yossi and pull him and the supplies across. But as Yossi threw him the shoes and the machete, the raft began to come free of the rock that held him there.
1: I guess we're almost dissecting the film, which I know is very accurate, but they left the machete and the shoe part out. Still, though, that's a very terrifying experience.
0: Yeah, they actually left out parts of the real story from this movie because they felt it would be too unbelievable if they included them, and the audiences wouldn't believe the story. So I'm basically filling in the info they left out to show how incredible the story really is.
1: There's some really good stuff they left out so far.
0: There's more yet to come. Yossi and the raft break free of the rock holding them there, and Kevin notices a waterfall a few feet away, and the canyon is starting. He tells Yossi to hold onto the raft no matter what, and he'll meet him downstream. Yossi goes over the waterfall and manages to stay on the raft. He clings on for dear life as he's helplessly thrown about on the rapids. He crashes into a rock, which knocks him off the raft and into the water, and Yossi fought relentlessly to keep his head above the water. He was carried down by the aggressive river being pulled under for what seemed like forever until he couldn't hold his breath any longer. And Yossi would kick his way back up to the top, gasp for breath but before being sucked back underneath. The
1: thought of that. You'd legitimately think you were going to die.
0: And the walls of the canyon are smooth. You cannot swim to any shore. Ugh, nightmare. Yossi floated down the river, tossed about like a ragdoll and even hit his head on a rock. Finally, he came out on the other side of the river and whilst the current was still strong, the canyon ended. He saw that there was a small embankment or ledge. He grabbed onto it, desperate to get out of the water. He had to climb to get onto some sort of walking path in the jungle. When walking alongside the river up high, he looked down at one point and saw the life raft and the backpack still attached. Yossi descended to retrieve it. Wow,
1: that must have felt like a miracle to have gone through that and the pack's still there.
0: It was incredible, so lucky. Yossi, once he got to the backpack, called out for Kevin and spent the remaining hours looking for him and calling his name. That night, he sat and opened all the contents of the bag to see what had been ruined by the river and set up camp. This was going to be the start of a long time alone in the jungle, fighting for survival. So, as a result, similar to our last episode, we are going to stop it there. We will cover Yossi's adventure alone, his rescue, and the rest of his life in part 2. I'm trying to break it in a good place so we don't lose much momentum and can pick it up easily from where we left off. I felt that this was the best place to do that.
1: Okay, that is fair enough. Well, guys, the pictures to part one will be up on our Facebook and Instagram pages. The links are in the description now, so you can click on those and don't forget to leave us a review. We'd really appreciate that.
0: If you have any stories you want us to cover, or if you want to ask us any questions, just send them over to Podcast at gmail.com. You promise you won't have to wait long.
1: Until next time, stay alive. Bye. Bye.